0: What's going on guys? It's your man with the plan, Samuel Plant, coming back at you once again with another brand new installment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you missed last week's episode, you can still go catch that On Demand. The way to do it is very simple. Head over to Spreaker, head over to lordsofpain.net and you can catch my last episode of SCID On Demand. You can also do it through your usual podcast provider as well. Please also make sure you check out all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. We have stuff coming to you each and every single day of the week covering everything from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, TNA, Indie Circuits... British wrestling, you name it, we've got coverage for it. So do make sure you check out all the wonderful shows. You can do so by subscribing. Don't subscribe to Lords of Pain Radio, but do subscribe to each of our shows by their individual name. And that way you can make sure you don't miss a second of the great coverage we've got for you here on Lords of Pain Radio. It is another week in my ongoing project for Sports Entertainment is Dead, Year 2. If, of course, you're unfamiliar with it and this is the first time you're tuning in, I take a guest host every single week and we explore a match chosen quite at random historically either by myself or said guest to explore the themes, the creative merits, the character, the narrative, its historical importance, anything that we think is worth commenting on. It's all inspired by my book, 101 WW Matches to See Before You Die, which you can still go ahead and buy on Amazon anywhere in the world. And, of course, it's also the inspiration behind my second incoming book, which will be a direct sequel to 101, but will be focused specifically on the new generation era. Both of these books explore many of the benefits that come with watching your professional wrestling as performance art rather than as sports entertainment, which, as the title of my show, implies, is, in my belief, dead. That's what these match explorations aim to do as well. And this week, we have another... And welcoming back to Sports Entertainment is Dead this week. He was on all the way back in October and he has returned to talk with me about a couple of interesting picks over the next couple of weeks. Uh, It is my Australian namesake, Sir Sam. Welcome back to the show, Sam.
1: Hit the entrance music. He makes the big return. The crowd pops. It's great. Everyone's favourite's back on sports entertainment. Is dead.
0: (laughs) Good to. Thanks
1: for having me, (laughs) Plan. I'm already
0: (laughs) already regretting this decision. Um, I'm in a fun mood tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, great. Uh, So last time you were on, uh, you uh, picked uh, Undertaker and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33, and we sort of talked about. Uh, you know, whether or not it was worth looking back at, whether or not it was worth reappraising if people had the wrong impression. And so I said, I can't remember if I said it on air or off air, but I said at the time to you that the time you are on, uh, in a similar sort of vein to that match, let's do another uh, more recent WrestleMania headliner that was reviled at the time, but one that I have championed for a long time um, and at times have said, and I stand by it that it's actively better than the the first version. I am, of course, talking about The Rock versus John Cena at WrestleMania 29, the rematch. And obviously what had happened is they'd, they'd done that big year build-up to WrestleMania 28 the year before. The Rock won, much to the shock of everybody. Uh, he then decided to stick around win the WWE Championship. Meanwhile, John Cena, the story they they tell, uh, tinged, uh, as all best reality stories were, with a little bit of of the truth, was that it led to a professional and personal uh, spiral for him. And it was a new year. He won the Royal Rumble that year. And, of course, Mav and I discussed that a couple of weeks ago on this show. Uh, and would go on to challenge The Rock for the WWE Championship, much to the chagrin of a lot of fans who had wanted to see CM Punk after his, his record-breaking breaking title reign in a, a WrestleMania headlining match, and he sort of got pushed to the side to wrestle The Undertaker instead, though you could contend that's more of a main event than, than actually the main event was. Uh, and Not if you it, ask Punk, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to ask Punk anything, ever. Um <laughs> So, uh, and then this really, to my memory, Sam, you weren't sort of hanging around the LOP forums at least at that time, but to my memory, there was a lot of people that sort of, this was the last straw. There were a number of, of folks around LLP who sort of stepped away from WWE, and this felt like the onset of a culture that has now sort of hit its, its pinnacle in recent years of this sort of... Um, uh, embrace of of indie wrestling uh, over and above wwe uh, but that's a whole issue that i don't really want to get into because we've only got got 30 minutes but i thought it was worth mentioning off the top because the way that that sort of took form at the time was a lot of people went around very glibly and obtusely uh using the phrase twice in a lifetime because of course they'd used once in a lifetime as the tagline for wrestlemania 28 and I maintain the Rock vs. John Cena at WrestleMania 28 did only ever happen once in a lifetime, but the point is that it was a marketing slogan designed to get you to buy a ticket. It worked. But nonetheless, there was a lot of toxicity around this this second match, and I... I've always felt it never got a fair shake ahead of time. I think people wrote it off before it even happened. I think it was they just w- were so disinterested in seeing it, which is a fair enough stance to take, that they weren't prepared to give it a chance. If you do give it a chance, I maintain there are elements to it that are actually a lot stronger than the first one, including the structure of the match itself, and that's one reason Sam I suggested that we cover it. And uh, you've sort of dropped me a, a DM on Twitter ahead of this show, uh, saying that you've you've sort of shifted your opinion on it. So off the out of the gate. I figured I'd give you an opportunity to basically just give us some general thoughts about how you feel about it, having revisited it. Did you watch them back to back with, with the first one or not?
1: I did. Yeah. So to, to give you, I guess, some, some context at the time, I wasn't even watching the WWE. Um, I was blissfully unaware of this happening. I knew that the rock John Cena thing was, was going to happen just because I I dropped out of wrestling in twenty ten, but still things just happen to pop up every now and again. And I remember seeing that the Miz was against John Cena with The Rock doing uh being the special guest was he, he was the special guest um, host. host of the yeah. WrestleMania. He was for the, the first host, or at least the first at that stage that they'd had for a long, long time. And then he I, – I, anyway, I knew of these matches happening but didn't watch them at all. Uh, and I came back in the run-up to WrestleMania 30. So I wasn't watching at the time, and I wasn't privy to how people have – were, were at the time obviously coming back to it i understand the culture around it now having having read about how people feel about it obviously that that line twice in a lifetime became a bit of a, a, <clears throat> a bit of a thing to beat the beat the whole program with and and it's interesting that you mentioned people making up their minds before they even got to the match uh because my gosh, that's something that we deal with every single pay-per-view now. It feels like um, people making up their minds of if something's good or bad before it even happens. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that, that that was happening back then. Uh, I actually wrote about this um, back at my year-end series, Stories That Defined a Decade, because I feel like the the two of these, when watched in succession, do tell an amazing story. And I do very much feel like they're they're really something of a culmination of, of – Vince McMahon's vision for WrestleMania um, in that, you know, the the glitz, the celebrity, the glamour, the two superstars who have got massive followings, meeting on the biggest stage. I, I almost feel like these were, these two are the absolute fulfillment of his initial promise at WrestleMania one. And, and kind of the, what he did at WrestleMania three was obviously the most, that was that was the, the the first time he really sort of nailed the the idea of a WrestleMania main event. But I very much feel like these two felt like a fulfillment of that promise and that vision. And and after that, I actually think things have changed. Um, the year after, of course, you have Daniel Bryan, and I feel like that is the when the WWE really took on much more of an indie mentality um, in in its recruitment and who were its top stars were people like Seth Rollins. Um, of course, there was the return of Brock Lesnar, which sort of throws a wrench in that that theory a little bit. But I still don't think they have really hit the peak that they did in those categories of your celebrity, your your clout, your glamour of Rock versus Cena one and two. And I I completely understand why they did it twice in a row because it, it really is it is the biggest match that they could possibly have done at that point. Five years either side, Rock versus John Cena, I think is the biggest match they could have put on.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> one of the notes that I. Because I sat and rewatched this, one of the notes that I wrote down was that it feels like it's on another level uh, in mm. terms of. Not necessarily the content that they do, because a lot of the content they do is pretty straightforward stuff, and that's one thing that I found so refreshing, actually, about The Rock's return mm. around this time, was that it was, you know, he he brought an element back to the ring that hadn't been there for a long time, that was just a lot simpler and a lot less overthought, and, and uh, I always find that kind of wrestling enjoyable. Not necessarily that, just the, the, the sense of it's The Rock, John Cena, you know, the box office and the star power box office is the perfect word absolutely it and i think you you'd have to be you'd have to be willfully uh combative to pretend that that's not the case you know it's it's not talking down other stars it's not talking down other wrestlers but it is recognizing that these two names are, are on their own level Uh, As much as it galls me to say that about John Cena, it's true. Uh, And that this, as a result, this match feels like a much bigger deal. And it feels like you are watching the headlining match of the biggest wrestling show in the world. And it doesn't have quite the same... uh, atmosphere as Wrestlemania 28 did I think there are issues with the rest of the card that probably play into that as well as the fact that there was a general sentiment that you know do we really want to have to watch this again where's CM Punk why can't we have someone else Uh, but it was clear to me the way that they structured the overall program that this was probably the end game in and of itself. Excuse me, in and of itself. I don't think The Rock wins at WrestleMania 28 if they didn't know then that they were going to do a rematch where John Cena wins at WrestleMania 29 for the championship. Uh, And I can't help but think that that was the plan from the onset when The Rock came back in 2011. So you have... If that is the case, you know, a program that has run un- uninterrupted, granted, you know, on and off because of the Rock's kind of conflicting schedules, but a program that's run on and off for, for over the course of two years uh, and change. And that's I mean, that alone is something of an achievement. Um, but so you weren't watching it. I didn't realize you weren't watching at the time. So was this the first time that you you watched this this match for this
1: show? No, when I came back to wrestling after WrestleMania, so WrestleMania 30 was when I came back, right? Uh, and after that, I, I got the WWE Network, and I one of the things that I did was I watched all the WrestleManias because um, I previously, when I watched wrestling before that, I had I didn't have access to all the pay-per-views, so I had some DVDs. I of course, this was, you know, the the late 20 20- Twenty, uh, the late twenty, um, the late noughties were a time when when pirated content was very easy to come by. Um, so I definitely, definitely sourced my my fair share of things. But I, I did watch these, but not. I've never watched them until uh, the the preparation for this and my column series. Um, I I never watched these back-to-back, just one match straight after the other. Uh, And you could tell, like I always knew tacitly that these two did play on each other. There's the very obvious ones. But I didn't realize quite how much of a direct sequel um, this match, WrestleMania 29, is to the 28. And when you watch them one after the other, and it... If you cut cut the entrances and everything out, they're actually not that long, um, particularly the 28. The 28 has massive hysteria around it, and for for good reasons, as I spoke about at the top. This is box office, um, and and it is everything that WrestleMania wanted to be, Uh, and with it comes giant entrances. But if you watch these two, one after the other, you can see that the WrestleMania 29 match, everything, just so much of it, just about everything – is a sequel of the other one, and you can are oh, we right to start moving into I guess the more defined parts of the the match itself. Oh, do, yeah, yeah. If you if you watch, it's like these two have known. These are two prize fighters, the the two biggest guys in the industry, and it's like they've known that this is coming. And they and John Cena in particular has spent all year analyzing what went wrong, working out what he what things he felt felt you know the traps that he fell to because I think in the WrestleMania 28 match he he sort of took the rock for granted a little bit I think he approached the rock a bit arrogantly um because he in his mind exactly um and in his mind he thought that because he was the the current top dog and he was the the current guy who was doing it all the time uh he would be able to take it without too much effort and he didn't. And he spent the whole year analyzing and thinking about it and replaying this in his mind and visualizing what he would do differently come the next time these two met. Uh, And he obviously had his vision set on the rock and everything in this match flows from WrestleMania 28. Everything is a counter of a counter. Everything is a, a a a sequence that has its roots in the in the previous match
0: the from the very beginning one of the the, one of the differences between this and the more celebrated WrestleMania 28 i sort of already mentioned it earlier is uh, rest one of the i i absolutely adore the WrestleMania 28 match i should say not just because of the match but because of everything around it i think it's such a wonderful production i think it's it's uh you know it's it's transportive in its in its sense of atmosphere uh, you know and you have the the MGK performance before John Cena's entrance where he sort of ad-libs a little bit to get the crowd going and then you have the, the Flowrider um, uh, songs before the Rocks entrance and both those uh, both those musical personalities seem to fit the guys that they're introducing so well there's so much around it you know festival atmosphere is the way I always describe Wrestlemania mm. 28 and I, and I think that it's very true of that top top match as well fast forward to this year and it's there's a lot less ceremony uh, around the sort of the the introductions and stuff you know it's just a typical guys music hits he comes out to the ring guys music hits he comes out to the ring you do the introductions you're into the match there's there's none of the same festival so and when the the crowd is a little more exhausted or disinterested than the, perhaps they were the year before, it, it it feels like there's less atmosphere, and automatically you begin to think, well, maybe that's a you know that's a, a cross against this thing. And I actually like it a lot because I think first of all it sets it well apart from the first one, but I think it suits the tone of what's happening here, which is a uh, it, which is a rematch, and it feels like uh it's it's business this time. You know, there's no because in the first one I remember that very early on. I haven't rewatched the first one before the show, but I remember very early on there's that moment where The Rock kind of does a, a, a magistral cradle on, on Cena after a quick flurry, and Cena kind of has a smile on his face and nods. And he's like, all oh, right, okay, it's going to be like that. Um, There's no smile on Cena's face this time. You know, he's not... And it goes to what you were saying. You know, this for him... Because they they peddle this narrative of, of, you know, typical WWE narrative. We've heard it a thousand times before about cementing legacies and gaining redemption and stuff. And it's all a bit kind of roll your eyes when it's John Cena because, of course, he's going to have a legacy if he doesn't beat The Rock at WrestleMania. Want to bring that back up again in a little bit, but... um, the story, whatever you think of it, sort of from a real-world perspective, the way it's written is is really well done when you think about everything that happened the year before. And it translates into, they carry it over into the match. This is something I have infinite criticisms of modern wrestling for, where you could just pop any pay-per-view match at the end of any storyline, and essentially it seems like that's always the case. It doesn't necessarily carry the themes of the story into the match. This does, because seen as fate, you know, there's no smiling, like I said, his body language is very on point, he's focused... Uh, There's no messing around this time, Uh, and that plays as well into the pacing of the match and the the structure of it as well because it's. I could understand if people want to say it's a little slow because it is a slow-paced match. Certainly for the first 15 or so minutes, it's very guarded. It feels like they're both wrestling pretty defensively, and they're going to do that because, as you say, Sam, every sort of every pore of this thing is 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 uh, is is just letting off whiffs of, of the previous year and, and there's, a, there's a real sense of almost a a sense on both of them that if they lose this rematch, it's more embarrassing than than the year before. Like, it would be more embarrassing for The Rock to lose this than it would have been the year before because he's already beaten Cena and it would be infinitely embarrassing for Cena to lose twice in a row. So you get a real sense that they're both uh, waiting for the other guy to make a mistake and it's only about 15-20 minutes in that they start to think, okay, well, he's not shifting, so I'm going to have to try and, and do something more offensively here.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've got a note actually written down that speaks to what you're saying. Um, both men seem more focused on the match than the moment. Mm. Um, in the WrestleMania 28 match at the start, they almost try and evoke the memories of Rock Hogan, where you know, you've know you got the yep. two staring down, and but instead... Cena goes straight for The Rock. As soon as the bell rings, there's no stare down. There's no sort of pandering to the crowd. For Cena it is. And I would honestly disagree with you. You brought up – you don't think that this would affect Cena's legacy. But speaking within – obviously, speaking within the performance and within the kayfabe of it, this is – the previous WrestleMania was the biggest event that John Cena has ever headlined, and he lost – against the star who was the greatest before he was before John Cena was the greatest. So for him not to win would uh, for for Cena I guess it, it's him saying my time is as good as is whenever you say my time and John Cena just becomes, <laughs> <laughs> it becomes but 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 say him saying I oh, I am as my time is as good as your time ever was. You can't just come back in and run roughshod over us. Uh, which, I don't, if if you think about it on the metal on the meta levels, is very interesting. Speaking when you know at the time the the uh, I remember at the time the. Well, before when I was watching wrestling, before I walked away from it, the nostalgia for the Attitude Era was still very, very strong and it was still a very um, real memory. I feel like now it is more of a – there's a lot of people who watch who weren't around then. um, But at the time, I imagine most of the people watching were hanging out, were still – hungover from the Attitude Era and, and John Cena wanting to cement not just his own legacy, but the legacy of the period of wrestling in the WWE that he has been the face of as better than the, or as good as the previous one. I think a lot hangs on him being able to beat The Rock at this match uh, within the fiction of the the sto- what's being presented. Well, Obviously, if he'd lost, the WWE would have still given him a great legacy, but this to me is like the to to bring in a, an, another sports analogy. This is the um, the Manny Pacquiao, um, Floyd Mayweather, or the the That's Mike Tyson, fun. Evander Holyfield, or you know the the Rumble in the Jungle, the Ali Foreman sort of. It's on that level in in, in my mind of of how the where the stakes are and if John Cena loses these then he's seeding himself to second best forever.
0: Absolutely. I think that uh, to be fair, I think that's a great shout. Um I think as well there's because we're in the midst of the reality era by this point uh where where real world narrative and, and fictional narrative so often sort of intertwined. Mm. And I think that there is a, a sense that if because and one of many reasons why I've stepped away from wrestling now is that um there seems to be an inability to separate the two just a complete inability to separate the two and there's a bizarre habit of of taking what happens on what happens on screen as, as confirmation of uh opinions about stuff that happens off screen which i find to be the most perplexing thing but i think had seen a um had seen a lost. Twice to the Rock, maybe that would have been taken as real-world confirmation um, by fans that he isn't as good as the Rock. So I can I could totally uh, sort of accept that that point of view certainly. Um, And you know, like you like you were saying, it plays into the narrative. I mean, that I think the the strength of this second match is is the strength of its of its story compared to the first one. The first one was kind of like these two guys don't like each other and they're gonna wrestle. this one still had that, and I think there's a real sense of vitriol in the way that they interact with each other in the ring, incidentally. Um, mm. But it had the added stakes of it's for the championship, and it had the added stakes of you know Kansina Riku what he did last year. Um, time is whizzing by. I do want to mention some of the some of the specific mm. uh, sort of granular moments in the match. There's a wonderful sequence that just that that it goes on. I mean, it's clearly rehearsed, but it, it works brilliantly where um you know the rocks hitting right hands he goes for a spine buster he gets counted into an stf the rock fights out cena goes for the shoulders uh it goes for the sit out gets counted into a headlock takeover which goes into a sharpshooter which cena gets out of before hitting his sit out which goes for the five knuckle shuffle which is then counted into a ddt and all of that happens so, so sublimely uh, and is a demonstration, I think, of how this second match actually hangs together a lot tighter, neater, and more fluidly than the first one, which at times can feel very kind of uh, a bit kind of clunky and, and sort of a mm. bit bit heavy around the, the edges. This one, I think, watches a lot smoother. It's like the T1000 to the to the T800 at WrestleMania 28, if you like. Um, uh, it's liquid metal, and the the there's there's a number of moments like that. There's a uh, an AA counted into a spine buster, followed by a people's elbow counted into an STF. Um, there's a moment where Cena catches a, a, a crossbody just like he does at WrestleMania 28, uh, but this time The Rock counts successfully into a rock mm. bottom. Um, there's obviously the the um, there's a wonderful moment where The Rock goes to do exactly what Cena did the year before, where he goes to mock the five-knuckle shuffle when he could go for a win. Um, and then Cena comes up into an into A8. An it's an exact mirror image of the finish of WrestleMania 28. But brilliantly, they pull the rug from under your feet. When you think that's going to be the end, it isn't. Rock kicks out anyway. Uh, there's a moment where... Um, the Rock Cena goes for a Rock Bottom on The Rock And The Rock Counts it into a Rock Bottom of his own uh, uh, And indeed Vice versa uh, And then Of course There's the big replay From Cena of, of the finished WrestleMania 28 Where he goes To mock the people's elbow The Rock jumps up Cena hangs onto the ropes You can't see him He goes for the A And that gets counted Into a Rock Bottom From The Rock um, One of the common themes through all of these, other than just the the smooth way that they're executed and other than just the cool way that they hark back to the fact that these two are now infinitely familiar with one another and at times specifically to events that happened at WrestleMania 28, The common theme is The Rock always gets the better of John Cena. Even when Cena has these kind of traps planned out, even when he has a plan and he's executing it, he still gets pipped to the post more often than not by The Rock. And that feeds so brilliantly into A, the narrative that The Rock is just better, uh, which is so important when you think about the narrative thrust of WrestleMania 28, and as well, Cena's arc from 28 to 29, and bizarrely reinforces John Cena as an actual underdog. In 2013,
1: and so often John Cena was portrayed as an underdog, but you just couldn't believe he was. Um, but in this in this case, he was. And and you mentioned at the start that the crowd is. Slightly a step down, and it's definitely notably a step down at the start. By the end, though, the crowd is well into this match. Um, they are going, particularly when when Cena when the obvious counters happen. For when Cena goes for the um, goes to do the the people's elbow and holds onto the onto the ropes and is like, "You're not going to catch me again, mate." Um, when they they do those. Those, mo- those really obvious moments, the crowd loves it. And the crowd loves when they start trading each other's finishes um, as if – to, to my point of these guys have been watching each other and studying at each other, and they're going, what's going to be able to get it? So this year, Cena, he can't hit the people's elbow the year before, but he gets the rock bottom this year. Uh, and you're right, the counters are sublime. It's, I've been watching a lot of New Japan over the last few years, and Kazuchika Okada's matches, the the ending sequences of those are, are built on those. And while you know this might not be quite as smooth for the moment, these... These, these sequences are right up there, and particularly the emotion they elicit from the crowd, where the crowd is living and dying on each of these things. And there are some near falls um, that are off finishes, but it's most – they they both kick out of each other's finishes once. I think Rock kicks out of the attitude adjustment twice maybe, um, but the second time I think it's a, a slower – he's slow to get to him or, or something along those lines. But well, if I can, it is, if
0: I could jump in a second, of, what, yeah. what I was going to say is that this match has come in under criticism over the years for having too much of the the, the finishes back and forth, uh, and I've always defended it against that, and Lord knows I'm you know one of the vocal critics of that habit. Uh, and re rewatching it reinforce the fact they have twenty minutes of, of wrestling before they even start trying for, for finishing moves. Uh and you do get a lot when they're there. Uh but it's built up to and it's and it and it feels like They've ran out of other uh, other weapons by the time they get to the point that they're exchanging them. And it isn't just one guy hits one kick out, one guy hits one kick out. It's done in a very creative way. Like you say, Sam, they're countered, they're threaded into other sequences. They're doing each other's finishes. Exactly. So it isn't... It isn't. Um, I would say, this is going to be really controversial, I think, but I would say that a match like Sean versus The Undertaker at 25 is worse for exchanges of finishes than this one is because this one at least has a, a very very extensive prologue that feels like it's got a direction uh, before it gets to them and then when it does get to them it does it in a really creative uh, variety of creative ways
1: yeah i would say that the the wrestlemania 25 one with sean and taker at least once they get to the false finishes at the end it does it is just it is a lot of them trading finishes and there's not a lot of story wound in. Whereas this continues that theme of them these two having scouted one another, who continually countering one another, and the the exact um, sequence that you you spoke about with when Cena crashes him in the crossbody lifts him up for the AA and mm. and Rock slides out this year. It, it, I don't know that. I've got that written down as well because I think it's just emblematic of of how this is. That one's a lot more subtle than you know the 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 counter to the end of the counter when he um, holds onto the ropes after going for the people's el- he's mocking the people's elbow. That's very a very obvious one, but that's you know less the the second one is a lot more subtle. Uh, and there's a lot of that in this. Even just there's one bit that I noted where one year. John Cena goes up to do a leg drop and he hits a leg drop across the back of the Rock's neck. This year he goes up to do the same one at about the same time of the match and the Rock just dodges it. And it's that's just one bit, but as I said this this WrestleMania 29 match is everything from it is dripping in the WrestleMania 28 match. And if you watch them back to back, it's it's a really it's really obvious and it's
0: really well done as well. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're quickly headed towards uh, these 30 minutes flyby when I have uh, you guys on, um, so we're quickly <laughs> heading towards the end, the end point here, but I wanted to bring up, before we do sign off uh, to me, and you, you were kind of toying with this very early on, Sam, when you were saying that it's sort of the fruition of Vince's Wrestlemania dream, I think it's more than that, I think what you have, specifically in this Wrestlemania 29 match on its own is the ultimate wwe match because it represents so much of both the best and worst yeah. of the characteristics we as fans most often define wwe through you've got the uh, the story which uh, in this instance is I think really well executed very tightly written but is ultimately one that the fans aren't that interested in seeing you've got the the atmosphere which as you say towards the end of the match has all of the you know the 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 excitement and thrills of a of a WrestleMania uh, classic um but early on, feels the weight of an overlong open air show that so often could be the case with WWE, um, and you have the stage in which, on the one hand, you know it feels like it's box office, it feels special, it feels like something that you haven't seen elsewhere. But on the other hand, is horribly gratuitous because you've got uh, a bridge across the entrance and you've got a statue of liberty above the ring and you've got oodles of fireworks at the end of it, and it all feels a bit in your face. In almost every instance including the ring content where you have uh you know a, a real strong sense of character and narrative because of what you were saying about it you know bleeding uh the 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 first match and and being the end of a of a long story um but at the same time represents the worst in that again it's two guys we've seen wrestle before one of them's a part-timer and they do a lot of cheap tricks at the end to get the crowd excited that might not otherwise have gotten excited it feels like it's a contradiction in a lot of ways in its DNA for existing when it shouldn't exist, but being brilliant when it should really be rubbish, and vice versa as well. It feels to me like the ultimate WWE match, and that only really came across when I was writing bunches of notes down and trying to analyze it for the purpose of this show, and I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on that. It's a lot I of I, I, <laughs>
1: My. Um, I mean, my thoughts around it, around these two matches, is they mark... Uh, for me, I, I feel like these two mark a turning point in the WWE almost. You mentioned that there was a lot of angst in the fan base um, before this uh, of them wanting to have Punk versus Rock instead of Cena versus Rock. And to in many ways, I feel like that's angst of the pe- fans, diehard fans wanting the WWE to be something it isn't. Knowing who the WWE are, and as I said, why – they were never going to have something other than Cena versus Rock. And next year, the Daniel Bryan story is amazing, but you can feel, I mean, I came, I, I wasn't there for the tension leading up to WrestleMania 29, but I definitely, one of the things that brought me back in WrestleMania 30 was the fact you had this crazy uprising of, of fan support for, for Daniel Bryan. And not only is this, sort of a, a time when the WWE changed its identity afterwards in, in embracing people like Daniel Bryan, people like Seth Rollins. Um, you know, th- these guys who uh, are... And, and, of course, the recruitment strategy that brought su- such an influx of indie talent into the into the main roster. This is kind of the end point of the, that style... The the style of these matches never shows up again in a WrestleMania main event. The style of the matches going forward would be the Brock Lesnar really aggressive MMA style and the Daniel Bryan indie style, uh, like indie-infused style, uh, as opposed to, I guess, the more character and and. i mean sports entertainment um (laughs) was this was this when sports entertainment died is this what the series has been leading up to (laughs) like this this really is these are some sports entertainment matches and and this i don't know to me was a very much a pinnacle of what vince mcmahon's sports entertainment was the rock versus john cena one and two
0: i think that's a that's very 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 strong point um Especially because, um, I mean, we've got to sign off now, so we won't go into this, but it, it mm. does feel like this is a touch-passing moment for Cena at the end of his career, uh, at the end of his run as the guy, yeah. rather than at the beginning of his run for, as the guy, which kind of makes sense when you consider The Rock sort of left early in a manner that seemed to contradict the flow of history. Mm. So it's uh, a very strong point yeah. to end on. Go on. As, I, as I wrote,
1: neither of these guys were ever close to where they were on the WrestleMania card after this.
0: Well, quite, absolutely, Um, unless you count The Rock versus Eric Rowan, which, of course, is technically The Rock's (laughs) last match. Um, There we are. Uh, Sam, thank you for coming on the show. You will, of course, be back with me next week. Uh, And for those of you who want to know what we're going to be talking about next week, um, it is going to be a WrestleMania main event that never happened. Uh, in that it's going to be the Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose triple threat match for the WWE Championship at Battleground in 2016. Uh, we're going to be talking about that next week. In the meantime, Sam, thanks for being on the show. Is there anything you want to, to plug? Bearing in mind, we're recording this in December, but it won't be going out until <laughs> January February time.
1: Yeah, go back and read all my old columns. (laughs) No, you can follow me on on Sir underscore Samuel. Look, if you you did like my thoughts on this, uh, there is a column that I wrote on these two matches um, called... uh, rock verse cena twice in a lifetime uh because i thought i could think of no better way to title them Uh, i wrote that back in december uh and and posted on lord of the lords of pain main page so so you can by all means go back and read my thoughts on it there if you do want to dig a bit deeper uh or you can follow me sir underscore samuel on twitter
0: okay there you go thanks again for coming on the show sam I don't really have anything to plug, guys. If you've been following me on social media at LOP Plan, you'll know that I am. In the final stages of my time here at LOP, I will be retiring after the Royal Rumble, which means that we are in the final six episodes of Sports Entertainment is Dead ever. Uh, We've got three left to go, one with Sir Sam next week, and then after that, I've got the Doc back on the show, Chad Matthews, for a couple of weeks, and that'll be it, so... No real point in me plugging anything other than to say keep your eyes out on lordsofpain.net's front page for my final ever column that should be dropping. If it hasn't done by the time this show goes out, certainly uh, very, very soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll check me out for the first of the final three ever episodes of this show next week. Have a good one, guys.